think the older you get, the louder you become. I don't know. That's that's my. Uh, Are you louder than you were four years ago? Probably, but I'm not as loud as that uh, job interview I had earlier today. I think that's what it is. I think I think my vocal cords are stunted from not wanting. Like I hope I'm not perceived like that guy was. Did you hear that? I did. It sounded really good. Good. What What was wrong with the job interview earlier today? It was a surround sound conversation with only one person talking because he was so loud. It was bouncing around the room and like bouncing off the whiteboards that my ears were ringing at the end of it. Was he like loud at going or just loud? Just loud. It's like he walked in and an extrovert. He walked in and like he turned his knob to 10 and it broke and he was just 10 the whole time. It's like, I don't know. I've never heard anything like it. I was shocked. Should I tell you my best uh, interview stories? Oh yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it. I've had many. I think I've told you these, but I'll say them anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll get them on free. There we go. Well, to remember it. So once I interviewed a guy who was advancing in years, not that, that I'm trying to be discriminatory if at it, all, because I'm advancing in years as well. But uh, this guy was advancing in years, um, and he came in for the support role in the UK, and he, I think he'd just been made redundant. And the the interview basically was a total disaster. Like he sh- he should have been working at a supermarket. And at the end of it, I asked him what was his top attribute or something like that. Like what was the what was he most good at or you know like that kind of question. And his reply back to me was, and he thought about this for a while. It was like a big pause. Think of it's like you know who wants to be a millionaire kind of question. And he said to me, hmm. He goes, I can make a good cake. And that's Josh? Or like, I would have hired that guy. No, that's what this guy said. I mean, come on. That's weird. That Like, you're in a job interview and somebody's asking for your top attribute and all you can come up with is, I can make a good cake. I No, it's, it's definitely, as someone who, my, my honest top attribute might be that I can actually make a good uh, cake, but I would not say that in my job interview with you. Okay, let me let me preface this. There was no humor around this. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I have to think he, think he, back to England where yeah, people. He, yeah, he, he did not he did not attach humor to it. If he just said that in a humorous way, like with a smile, yeah, like, like you with your boat and your aunt, then I would have gone with it, right? Yeah, but he didn't do that. Okay, that's really weird. Then, like, if that truly is a pinnacle of like, yeah. I can make a good cake. Yeah. And then there was another guy who I interviewed, and he was quite young. And as I was interviewing him, I was interviewing him in this room that was. That's probably, I don't know, about 15 foot wide or something like that. And he was kind of in the middle of the room. It was a bit weird the way the setup was. But we didn't have a look. The desks were all set up weird. Anyway, as the interview went on, he kept moving towards me. By the, <laughs> by the end of the interview, I was literally pinned against the wall with this guy right in front of me. And I didn't want to, what are you going to say? Excuse me, could you please get the fuck out of the way? You're in my personal space at this point. What are you going to say? That's so funny. But trust me, that was a short interview because if we'd have been there much more, we would have been having sex or something. <laughs> funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I've had a lot of really bad interviews. We, we had an interview. So we're doing a lot of hiring here at Chipper HQ and we're, we have a good growth plan for Q1. And so we're hiring and I interviewed someone last week for a sales role and she mentioned, you know, commission or whatever. I told them that, you know, our sales organization is structured a bit differently. She was like, okay, good. She goes, cause you know, sometimes you got to go Suge Knight for, to get this commission structure. And Karen has no idea who Suge Knight is. What? Suge Knight supposedly is the person who killed Tupac. I got Tupac murdered. Are you talking about Tupac? Tupac. 
the rapper. You just called him Tupac. Well, in America, where he's from, we call him Tupac. Oh, it's, okay. But Tupac, as you would say. And she was talking about who? Suge Knight was the guy who's like a shady businessman, owned Death Row Records, was kind of known for, like, he, in some circles, got Tupac killed. And so someone's like doing like shady work. She goes, sometimes you got to go Suge Knight. All right, yeah, lost. Yeah, you won't get this, but no. for the four people who listen to this podcast that might be American, they're going to laugh. They're going to think this is funny. We've had this problem on social recently because we just got a new guy. Adon. Adon. Is that how you say it? The. I'm not very good at English or pronunciation. Spanish. I was very good at French until we got to speaking it. <laughs> what does that mean you were good at? I was good at, I could write it. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, pronunciation, okay, okay. like forget it. Like, I'm not good at that. Anyway, Adon, did I say it right again? Close enough. Okay. He put something on Twitter the other day, and it basically looked like his grammar was off. I don't know what the fuck he was saying, but it you got warehouses, we got bar, and it, it was, was a ludicrous reference. Yeah, precisely, ridiculous. I would call it, and and, and I just want to say for the record, it wasn't me that flagged it. Was it Jen? It was Jen. Oh, so Jen's the one so, who's out of touch. So we delete the tweet. I go, Adam, you need to, you know, you got grammar issues. You'd be sure we should be employing you. And then he starts going about ludicrous. I'm like, what are you even talking about? The best thing he said was in response to that, he goes, less Luda, more Aretha. And I thought that was very funny. It's a shipping company. Yeah, but like. Do you want to, well, you could, so now we're going to talk like Aretha Franklin? Is that what he's saying? No, he's saying that like the style of what you want to talk to. I want to talk, so I, I walk around talking to like a Aretha. I would be honored if someone said I walked around sounding like Aretha Franklin. No, I don't mean that. I mean, I don't get it. Like, it's a young it, tone. He's adding some millennialism. I think films, not good at music references. I like music, not good at any form of references. So any pun with like movie or music just kind of goes over your head, like which the, is fair because like you, you've own, always admitted and saying that's not my thing. No, I don't get him. I don't get that kind of humor. I'm more of a, a kind of, what's his name? The office guy, Ricky Gervais. That's my kind of humor. I get that. That's funny. Use it or don't fucking use it. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> ShipRageHue.com. That's more Ricky Gervais. Like more like, you're going to die soon kind of Did you see humor. his Golden Globes thing? Yeah, I thought it was hilarious. I laughed so hard at hilarious. that. Hilarious. Uh, he but, was like one of the few people who's just going to be like, you know, as you go like this, your peace sign the other way just to everyone. I got to say, you got to thank that guy for uh, helping Americans with humor. Well, you know, he's a big listener to the podcast, so Ricky, I appreciate you, uh, everything yeah. you do. Thanks very much. But anyway, I was going to tell you, this is why we decided to do the podcast today, because why talk about commerce, right, when you can talk about all the other crap that's going on? My husband has gone to the UK. I was actually told Melanie the last time he was away and left me in charge of children's 2014. I lied, because I, I had to think really hard about this. It was actually 2016 when we sold our house. So he Where did he go? He went to England in 2016 for maybe two weeks. So anyway, it was a while ago when I was last left in charge of the children in America. I do have the children when I take them to England, but that's mm -hmm. they're on school holiday. So I'm in charge of the children. It's like different terms. Yeah, different terms. Whilst they're whilst they're a thing, it's a nightmare. I can't wait for him to get back. But <laughs> luckily, he doesn't listen to this podcast, so I never would ever ever admit this to him. Today, for instance, I was trying to work and I had to look after the dog because I can't leave him for like eight hours. So it's like, whose idea was it to get a dog? Mine. <laughs> I ch I tried chucking the dog outside because he was. He just, he's a puppy, so he's like running around. I was like, let's put you outside, see how that works. Tried to tie him up, that doesn't work, just got covered in mud. And I put him on the patio, that didn't work. And then in the end, I was like, sod it, just give in, defeat. 
and then he just comes up and puts his whole head on top of the laptop and I'm like what the hell are you doing dogs today understand about phones and laptops yeah they try to get your attention yeah my old dog would never have done this this new one Texas dog got issues well it's the tech dog yeah no and I was like I can't wait for my husband's go. so the boomer thing with my husband he's a couple of years older than me not much there's a little bit of a gap and uh, not like 20 years or anything like that nothing creepy there's enough to be generationally different mm. is what I'm going to say so I give him a sim card right my sim from the UK that's always on give him the sim go when you get to the UK there's a sim didn't think about telling him put the sim in his phone didn't think that I had to make that statement <laughs> what are you about to say that's Steve did right so gets to the UK I tried ringing him when he gets there no answer oh, he must be on the underground so then, like, the last couple of days he's been at the flat, where we have a flat over there, and I've been asked to get in touch with him. So I was like, oh, okay, he's figured out, like, to sort the sim out, right? Today, he's had to go up and see his family. No contact. And I figured out that the reason I could contact him the other day was because he was in the flat on Wi-Fi. So I'm just wondering what he thinks this sim is for that they gave him, but he clearly has not put that sim in his phone, and now I can't contact him. Until he gets a Wi-Fi again. Which is a tiny little bit of an issue that I don't want to let onto him, but I'm struggling with looking after the children. But what if, so what <laughs> if he does have the SIM card, he says the phone turned off, it's in airplane mode, Is like, a, I'm just going to get away from everyone. I thought about that and I thought, you bastard. <laughs> How comes you can go off grid and I can't? <laughs> but, but what's really interesting about it is that from his perspective, he doesn't really see the issue in the fact that he's completely offline from the world. Well, because it hasn't happened since 2016, so he's kind of happy with it, maybe. But from my, oh, my oh, perspective, yeah, yeah. I, I just find it astonishing that I can ring up my husband and, like, I just don't understand that concept of not being available. Like, he does this to me all the time as well. Like, I'd be in his car, and he has Bluetooth in his car. I ring him up, no answer. And then I worry about him, right? I'm like, has he been in a crash? Well, eventually he'll ring me back, and I'm like, why don't you answer the phone? I was in my car. I'm like, mate, Bluetooth, car has it, hands-free. For how technologically savvy that man is, sometimes he's just like Stone Age. I feel like he has to know what that SIM card is. I'm going to find out because he's not actually back in this flat for another four days. So if I don't hear from him. But honestly, if he doesn't come back up for light soon, I am screwed. You're going to send a search party? Well, I just want to be able to cope. <laughs> You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to be the replacement husband like in just terms drop of the logistics. Kids off. No, I'm not I'll even just, kidding I'll, you. I just, I'd have them drop out. They could just work here. No, drop yeah, out, work I here. I did consider that. No, it's all good. It's just my sleep patterns are a bit awry and trying to cope with them and everything else. I don't really know how people do it. I know this sounds really first world problems. <laughs> I get it. But you have to understand I don't deal with any of this. It sounds terrible. We should cut this whole section. <laughs> this is like the most raw, real thing about being a professional woman in like the workforce as like a professional executive it's i'm like just that. being realistic like last night i i've basically started bribing my children to do chores because i'm not too sure on doing stuff i don't think that's uncommon like we had a chore chart and if we did it all we'd get paid that's not uncommon well that's i first day i tried just brute force didn't work 15 and 13 year olds didn't work i'll switch off the wi-fi unless you start doing things and helping out day two introduced introduced rewards that's working quite well that's what we had. If you made A's, if you did your stuff. Yeah, that's what we had. Yeah. But the biggest problem I have is that I stay awake till like 2, 3 in the morning. To wake up and the kids are awake. Today, I didn't. I woke up at 2, went back to bed at 6, which is usually fine. And then I got woke up at 7, quarter by 7. 
That's not good, is it? What? No, that sounds terrible. It's kind of kids in schools. It's not on. Kids sound terrible for that. Anybody right listening now. to this podcast is going to think I'm such an utter arsehole at this point. No, I think they're going to think you're a professional who has a spouse that helps out with. Every working male or female has had this moment. That's like a professional working person who has a stay at home or someone who takes care of the kids. So my mom stayed at home and my dad, whenever he was in college, worked at a prison as an, as a, I don't know what the hell he did there. But when we were kids, all four of us, my dad would be, have to make us dinner. My dad doesn't know how to cook. And my dad would put macaroni and cheese with frozen peas and frozen carrots in a pot and would make it and he would call it prison food. And so my mom worked one weekend a month to keep her license in practice. Like that weekend was the worst weekend of our lives because my dad didn't know how to cook. He doesn't know how to clean. He doesn't know how to do anything. And my older sister wasn't old enough to like take care of us yet. And so it was like prison food. And my dad would dress like a jailer and would just torture us. He had a fucking fantastic time, but it is a traumatic thing when my siblings and I still talk about to this day. Does he still feed you right now? No, he's, he's fully retired from cooking. Like with seamless and Uber eats now, even at his house out in the country, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll sort out dinner tonight. And he'll just Unless Uber Eats something. See, I can cook. I can do all that. I could be the perfect housewife. I'll tell you a story about that, actually, because there is a women in tech thing about this. It's like many years ago when I worked at Reuters, and I was pretty about the same age as you, 26, 27. As a woman in tech, there weren't many role models, right? And, you know, you've got to remember the internet back then. I mean, we were in the dark ages, right? Mm-hmm. Barely on phones. But so there wasn't, a, there wasn't a lot of online stuff. You know, Twitter wasn't around, YouTube mm-hmm. wasn't around. So there's this woman, and she was quite senior in Reuters, and she come and gave a talk. And I think this is probably what destroyed my life. Destroyed your life? Yeah, thinking back. So she was quite old. Like she was, when I say old, I feel bad because I'm kind of in this group of old. It's kind of like if you're in the group, I feel like you can take the mickey out of it, right? Yeah, like, it's your group of you people. Know what I mean? Yeah, so they're when, your peers. I just want everybody to know that I feel like I'm in this group. But she, she had like grain hair, and like in my mind, she looked quite old. And now when I think about it, she's probably... 52 or something like that basically what she said was that her husband had to stay at home and that was that that was how she did it so this is how she did a career was that her husband didn't work and he sacrificed his career so that she could have her career and this was the message that i got and for for right or wrong that was a message that i took to heart was that a novel thought a few years back? Was that, was that a well, comment? To, to do that, well, the man. To- yeah, well, like in England, for example. Because like in the States, I feel like since World War II, it was always the, the man goes to work and the woman stays at home. Well. And that was perpetuated right around like with, you know, the propaganda that came out I, after the war. I find that a difficult question to answer because I only have my own experience to go. And, and this was interesting because I was back in England a couple of weeks ago. And I was actually thinking about this a lot on the plane. And I went back and I, I saw my dad. Now, I come from a working class family, like real proper working class family, I would say. My dad worked in the docks. Like people used to go, when I used to say my dad's a docker, some people used to go, a doctor? And I'm like, no, a docker. And then they would like look at me differently. And sometimes I felt like saying that, you know, like not correcting him and saying, no, yeah, he was a doctor. But no, he was a docker. So he was a East London boy down in the docks and his grandparents were and their grandparents. I mean, they were big drinking kind of laboring kind of people and my brother actually still works in the docks we co- we were brought up in a household where quite frankly the woman stayed at home my mum worked until until she had my brother and then she packed a job in and she become you know a homemaker or whatever the hell you would call it but we grew up in a quite strict household like when my mum got ill when I was 18 9, 19 my mum got ill when I was the second child there's three of us and I was called home from uni and there was no question in their mind that I wouldn't drop out of university. 
Oh, and just go back and be, okay, I am assuming that House is the oldest daughter. That was, uh, there was no, and I and I think about that when I, when I was saying my dad the other day, and I was like, it, you know, my brother was there, and actually my sister was there, and it's the first time we've all got together in many years, me and my brother and my sister, and it's kind of interesting how uh, we have different paths, right, and I'm the middle child. And I was kind of thinking about some of this, and I was like, you know, if you stand back objectively and you look at, you know, that child, right, me then, and me at 18, me at 10, and you look at me now, and, and my sister was, I haven't seen her for seven years, and she was, you could tell that her image, like, her perception of me changed, like, when she saw me, and she knows what I do now, and everything else, and it's just, I don't know, like, how do you get from there to where I am now, and, like, what has influenced me to change that course so wildly, where I could be in a situation where, where I am today, where it feels so liberal, do you know what I mean? Well, it's and, a big difference. Yeah, and I, I and I was considering this, and I was thinking, I don't know. I was just I was just thinking about the choices that you make along life's way, but then also, also like what's in front of you that, for right or wrong, also influences you that you can't change, right? Yeah, it was, I just found it really interesting. But but this woman that went, you know, people like this woman were my influences, and then that's what made me really go down the route with the children of. I just didn't want the kids to be bored. We didn't really have a lot of family around. Like my mum died when I was quite young, and husband's family lived away, and I didn't want my children to be brought up by other people. And my only route forward really was for my husband's package job in. So that's the route that we took. And then this is where people think sometimes make the mistake over working women, mm-hmm. which is the discussion we're clearly on right now. What people don't really understand, and I've had this thing, is they'll go, like they think I'm the alpha in the relationship because he stays at home and everything else. And it couldn't be further from the truth. And the sacrifices that that man has had to make in order for me to have a career and us to do this company and everything Mm. are are immense. I think that people stereotype what I am, what he is, what the situation is, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they really have no clue on the reality of being like that. But when he first packed his job in, there probably were loads of people doing that at the same time. Mm-hmm. We wasn't aware of them. Yeah. We felt like we were doing something that honestly was quite scary. Well, I think that you guys are still doing things that are kind of still kind of scary. It's not something that you hear all the time. I mean, because whenever Steve packed his job in, you guys were a little bit older than yeah. I am now. I know couples that are a little bit older than me. And like one of them, his wife is a lawyer and they had a kid and they are having like this awkward point where she makes more money than you, but what does your pride say? There still isn't like a path really trailblazed yet, but like I think about you guys, for example, mm. because a lot of the women in my family and my mother's side are all much more educated than the men are. The women all went to school and like that's just how it happens. And so like we've always seen it as like this like split. And I think mm. it's because I come from a more progressive northern family where to me in the south, it's just not the same. Like in East Texas, it's, you know, man goes to work, woman has the kid woman has food when the husband gets home it's just such a different in east texas. east texas yeah but it, you're from well that's where i grew up but like i have northern family like okay. i i grew up i was there for like my you know, when you the, say northern you mean chicago minnesota northern. chicago okay. grandpa's from canada so yeah. i have those sort of northern values that like when i saw that i was like this is weird quite different if my wife was you know had a passion and a dream and had this burning desire i think i'd probably take the back seat I'm okay enough for my masculinity to go, yeah, cool. And I know that's not the common thing, though. 
I don't know. I, I think that you guys are more of a trailblazer than you think because I think that you guys are still really I, on the front of it. I think as the kids grew up that, that we looked around and there were more dads doing it. So but is it more of them or is it just more prevalent because of the internet? You can see them more. You can see them now. You couldn't see yeah. them then. So, so this is what we found and I'll give you this advice for free. All right. We were both working like crazy. He was traveling all over the country. We had this dog that was kind of not miserable, but a little miserable, you know, because it was erratic. My husband started taking the dog to work and we we're trying to juggle that. We had a bank account that was honestly rapidly rising and not being spent because neither of us have ever been really massive spenders. Mm -hmm. So we prefer to like save up and buy something like I drink, and, but you know, it's not like I'm going at clubbing every weekend. Yeah. Right? So we had this bank account that was rising, job was getting better, didn't see each other, unhappy dog. And one day I just turned around to him and I was, I was kind of 30, maybe 29, 30. And I said to him, what the hell are we doing? Is this our life? And he thought I was around a twist because he likes collecting money. Got it scrolled <laughs> away in the accounts. Yeah, he's, a, he's a money collector. I'm an experienced collector. That's how I would describe the difference between me and Steve. I believe in life as a journey and it's not about cash, it's about experience. It's about your memories and what you build up in the bank of that. Yeah, the bank of life. Yeah, whereas Steve, like my husband, is, is much more materialistic. Not not that he wants material stuff. He because he's a super basic guy. He's, he's super basic. Needs nothing extra in security life. Security is extremely important to him. So financial security is his number one. And it probably is a result of his upbringing that he's like that. We discussed this and, and everything else. And I, in the end, I just went, why don't you pack your job in? Pack your job in. We know you want kids. Just pack it in. I was like, go back to college. Let's get the security that you have your college education. Because he, he dropped out of college at 17. Not university, out of college. Mm -hmm in england what do you call that like high upper school. high school yeah, yeah. He, he dropped out of that go and do that and look after the dog and let's go out on weekends and enjoy ourselves and spend some money people at royce's thought i was ran the bloody twist when i went into work and said my husband's packed his job he's in. a stay-at-home dog dad he's a dog dad and he's gone back to college people at work just thought i was absolutely bloody loopy but what i wanted to see was could he stay at home before i had children yeah right because i honestly didn't want people to bring up the kids if you roll forward on this just just ironically age two lloyd my youngest hyperactive little thing straight in nursery full-time <laughs> he'd reach this point with one of them he's like i've done this with one kid i don't want to do it with we another. did it with the first one second one age two i think actually it was about 18 months begged the nursery to take him and honestly that kid's probably better for it he's definitely more of a talker yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was good for him. So I, I'm not like going that mothers or fathers should be at home with their kids. Ironically, the experience has shown me that we probably could have put them in full-time childcare and they would have turned out all right. I don't know. You say that now, but like in a few years when they might start showing like developmental issues. Well, they're going mean, to show... Look at those kids that got raised by like au pairs and things like that. Some of those are kind of... Those kids are kind of weird. My, my kids... No offense to anyone who listens to this who was raised by an au pair. If you meet my kids, you've met my kids. Yeah. If they were in the office like two weeks ago. Anything practical, they don't ask me to do. Anything. They don't ask me to cook dinner. They don't ask me to sort out their clothes. No, they don't come to me for any of that. They come to me for jokes and taking them out for experiences. I have no value to them, basically, <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not true. Do you, do you think that you've kind of reshaped their perception on like the traditional household? Like, do you feel like they're going to have what some people would consider an alternative household? 
I feel like the kids of the generation that my kids are, it's a very interesting experiment. And they'd be really interesting to come and look at them when they're 40 and see what they did. I'm interested yeah. to see them in like 20 years. Like, what are they going to be doing? But yeah, and what are they going to be doing? And what are their wives going to be doing? Sometimes I think, you, I've seen this before, where what happens is they'll follow the pattern or they'll revert and actually go back to the traditionalist mm -hmm. way. And I, I've spoken to my kids about this and how they feel about women and stuff like this. And it's honestly quite difficult to get any real information out of them, apart from the fact that they firmly believe in... Um, they they correct me when I like they'll talk about somebody at school like their art teacher or something like that and I I think this is their generation as well I don't think it's to do with the fact they have a a mum that works but they will correct me all the time about me making gender discrimination so if I say how you know how was she they'll say mum why are you assuming the art teacher was a woman I think it's definitely a time of what the time I agree in. I think the really great thing about kids for today and I digress massively here is that the teachers that went into schools mm -hmm. in america certainly are some of the most decent people you could ever wish to meet in your life and they are teaching these kids how to be a better next generation than we are like you've got a lot of mates that are, are surgeons and all doctors medic. medical how, people how does that how does that flow i'm just i'm the odd duck for sure like i i think for them it's so a couple of guys are in like residencies right now and one of them one of them just finished is it like they they live lives in extremes because they don't have a lot of time off so they'll work like 15 hour 15 days straight and then they'll have two days off and in those two days they'll you know one will fly to vegas or they they live just like crazy lavishly and so different from like the way i live in some of their cases they're more they're like more extreme than like what people consider me because they have, you know, 40 hours to live their life. But do you think that back. in part that's because of the profession they're in as well? And they, you know, they're dealing with much stronger issues. Yeah, no, there's definitely, there's definitely an element of that. Like my life seems very simple. If I ever want to put myself, if I ever want to put my life into perspective, I'll call my buddy, call my buddy Dallas, or my buddy Cy. One of them is in like a NICU residency where all the little babies are. And the other guy's like general practice and he's in the middle of nowhere in Louisiana. And so if I ever wanted just like a life perspective thing or like, I think I had a rough day at work, I'll call them and be like, hey, what are you up to? And, you know, obviously not violating HIPAA things. They'll tell me these stories. And I'll be like, oh, I guess, uh, you know, not getting to answer those three emails today was that bad. Or maybe that can wait till tomorrow. It's a, it's a quick way to put things in perspective of what I consider urgent and like what is actually urgent. No, I agree. I don't really have any friends like that. If you point back to commas, because obviously this is commas pie. <laughs> How are you going to pull this back? The commerce. It's funny because when I was on the plane on the way back, I was thinking about a lot of this and I should have wrote it all down because I was thinking all of this is a great podcast and what we produced today is not quite there. Well, this is the first time you and I have gotten to sit down since you've gotten back because I've been, you've been doing crazy stuff all. We haven't actually got together on a podcast for probably about three months. Is that right? Well, oh, just you and I, that's right, because we interviewed Bill, which is a great podcast doing very well with us with Work Area. That was just us three, but no, you and I haven't done one of these in a long time. No, and I wanted to do one the other day. Like, I've, I kind of have these moments of just crying. And <laughs> I don't have any tissues in I here. I feel like ringing you up and just going, let's jump on a podcast now. <laughs> these microphones are way too fucking big to be carrying around. It's about four in the morning usually when I'm just sitting there, tears, <laughs> wondering how I'm going to feed my children breakfast in the morning. Uh, but if you if point it back to commerce, I will say this. We both worked in a restaurant trade, right? Which is very, you get a good kick out of working with customers. Oh, yeah. That's the, 
that's the good thing. When I worked for Reuters, like our customer was Reuters, and although we did see on the trading floor, and you know, we were sort of people like Goldman. I was a Goldman's people like that. In development, you were kind of detached from that. My customer was the people in sales and products and yeah. stuff. Like that. So I didn't really see any customers for about ten years, give or take. That sounds like a nightmare to me. And honestly, it did drive me a little bit insane. And I do think that coming into commerce, one of the big pulls for me was being able to solve customers' issues and get that feedback from when a customer's happy. Mm-hmm. If you work in finance, you just don't really get that. And even if you do get that, you're working in finance and all you're really doing is putting money in some other finance guy's pocket. You're just moving money, yeah. essentially. So the actual job satisfaction that you get out of e-commerce, I would say in terms of careers you can do, it's probably about zero compared to being in the medical profession, but compared to being finance is about a hundred. Yeah, the scale on that's definitely sliding. And like one of the things that I had this week was there was a big commerce customer and we launched our beta in twenty fifteen, one of the first customers I ever spoke to. And one of the first customers as Shipper HU that I ever actually got to do a config and I did the setup and the full thing was a company called Little Inker Designs. And last Friday they emailed it and said, Hey, after ten successful years, we decided to close down our store. And I got legitimately sad. I'm going to call Laura because I know yeah. this woman. I know her. I've talked to her husband before for the last four and a half years. She, I, I still dealt with her no matter what I was working on. I was like, oh, she calls in. I'll talk to her. But I talked to her and she was like, it's been great. But like to, to be a part of that journey for like half the time mm. is really cool. So like I do definitely get gratification out of that. It's just depending on who you compare it next to. And it's difficult growing a company because you kind of, when you first start out, like that's great, right? And you want all those connections and everything else. And it's, when you grow, you still want all those connections. And this is one of the things about, I think, running a company is that the trouble is it just all becomes too much. There's only so many people you can kind of support directly Mm -hmm. before it becomes a saturation point. And then what you have to do, and this is one of the things I think I did with you, and I think we did this quite consciously. I, I used to say to you, like, I'm handing you the baton of dealing with these clients and stepping back from that. And that's really interesting in our business, isn't it? Where... I understand some of the older clients and have mm-hmm. some of the personal relationships there. That's something that, that's changing all the time. And you understand the newer clients. But mm-hmm. what you found is that actually you've got to step back. Well, that's the one you thing. I, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the, the one thing I always like. If I ever simplify what I say to a Chipper HQ, I say I own the customers. The customers are with me. I am I am their biggest advocate. But no, you're definitely right. Because that's one of the things I have to make a conscious effort. Because I used to, like way back in the day, every sign up that came across, first yeah. and last name, e-commerce director, you'd know I knew. Them all, wouldn't you? I look at it now and I'm like, I don't know who, like, I look at, like, the, the big batch of signups we had just the other day, and I'm like, I, I don't know, or the ones that came in today or every day, I'm like, I don't know who half these people are. And part of me is like, hell yeah, this is awesome. The other part of me is like, oh. Yeah, because, well, I think there's, that's because there's success, mm-hmm. right, in that, that, that you don't know they are, but there's a little bit of, oh, I've become slightly detached from the customer. Exactly. Again. That's the biggest thing. Sometimes the phone will ring, and I'll be like, I want to pick this up. And I'm like, I just want to talk to a customer. I want to see, like... So I, I don't think I can ever let that go, but it is definitely something where like these other customers will call and I'll be like, I don't know who this person is. I have no idea. They're like, oh, well, they signed up in 2018, end of 2018. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes sense because that was when I wasn't as fully ingrained. So it's definitely interesting. I remember very vividly when I started, you said, this company is going to get to a certain size. And at that point, this is going to be someone else's problem. She goes, it can be your problem if you're the right person or it's going to be someone else's problem. But I want a team this size and that's all I want to work with. Whenever we take on a member of staff, I feel the burden and the responsibility of that guy's mortgage, that guy's family, that guy's everything. And I know that I shouldn't, but I do. 
So every time he's like on a member of staff, I feel that additional burden. Oh, I, I think about that all the time. That was the, the joke mm-hmm. I used to always, well, not the joke, the thing I used to always say was, you know, world support manager, I'd be like, well, he's got two kids and one of them's in diapers and those aren't cheap. Yeah. Because of the, that's always on the forefront of my mind and like financial yeah. decisions. Well, maybe I've like screwed your mind up. No, I, so, I, I, I thought that my, I thought that about my other jobs too. Is like, you have to think you ha- like, I think that to be successful, you need to think about yourself as a CEO and whatever role you're doing, understand what there's weight in whatever decision you make. If you can, if your decision, the only decision you can make all day is I'm going to flip this burger, flip it at the right time. Or you're going to get someone sick. Like there's like, there's weight in every decision you make. No, you're right. But I do, you've got to learn, and I am learning to detach myself and and say, what are my priorities? Mm-hmm. And I'm learn, and then that's one of the, because we haven't really spoken about this, but that's one of the reasons why I, I stepped back from events this year and went, enough. Mm-hmm. I want to spend more time with my family and, and work out how to work the dishwasher. Which I, you know, I've said to you many times, <laughs> as, as the numerous conversations we've had about this, like, it's the right decision. Dishwashers are so much better than hand washing things. <laughs> You know, as a kid, we weren't allowed to use the dishwasher. That's a tr- that's a true statement. We we're not allowed to use the dishwasher. I have no idea why. My mom was my mom was like, "We didn't have a dishwasher." I was like, "Well, don't penalize well, you me." We had a dishwasher. Yes. So we didn't have one. We had one. We couldn't use it. Dishwasher's a new thing, mate. Not for me. We had it. Dishwashers have been a thing for. They've been a constant in my life that I was not able to use. And when I first moved out and was like on my own, I was like, "I'm gonna." I was washing two plates in there just because I could. Two plates and a fork. You're so brought up in a different generation. It's ridiculous. Well, we are from different countries, and we're a couple years apart, so there's a little bit of a difference. Only a couple. Only a couple. What else do we want to cover off? Because we've been really depressing. You've been really depressing. Do you think I have? No, I'm just kidding. No. I think I honestly, I, I didn't expect it to go like this, this podcast. I didn't know what we were going to talk about. i tell you what I'm excited for. i tell you, I tell you a couple of things. We did a lot of planning at the end of last year, mm-hmm. and... We have a young team and a young CEO, right? Ultimately. Very young C-suite. Yeah. I'm really impressed with this team. And the Q1 is shaping up to be bloody good. And I think that faith in us and what we're doing and being able to just double down on what we believe in and everything else is showing fruits. We still doubt ourselves sometimes. And, you know, I probably doubt myself sometimes secretly. I'll say it on a podcast, but I won't say it to the team. But uh, <laughs> none of them listen to this. No, none of them listen. They don't. I don't think they do. Do they listen? Does anyone listen to this? No. No, Meredith does. Hi, Meredith. You're throwing me now. Fundamentally, believing in what you're doing and just getting on with a job, in our case, is is proving successful and not listening to what convention to say, what naysayers should say and everything else and I, I think about it sometimes and this is where I go back to me as a child and not the barriers but but just what made me kind of overcome some of what was expected of me a lot of it was because I just didn't really give a shit and I still don't and I'm still gonna just do this my damn way I now have validation that that way is a good way and I believe that the staff are getting that validation in what they're doing. And mm-hmm. you can't ask for more than that. You can't, like, in a job and and stuff like that, like, you you know, it's not easy being at companies like ours. And, but the fact that we can come in every day and decide what to do and then execute on that plan is extremely powerful. And the fact that there's nobody, there's no figure standing there telling us not to do it. And that's an extremely privileged position to be in. Oh, yeah. Don't you think? Oh, I totally agree with you. I think, I think the first month, I think this month, 
this first month of 2020 is as much, if not more fun than my first month ever at Chipper HQ. And I had absolutely no idea what was going on, but really? I just remember I, had, I was going a million miles an hour and I fucking loved it. I'm surprised you said that. I just feel like, I feel like this is the month where I, I don't know. I feel like we're firing at all cylinders. And I know that, I know sometimes right. things aren't where we want them, but I think that your job is to have that high bar and my job is to get everything as close as I can and exceed that mm -hmm. bar. But like, I feel like this month has been so much fun. Yeah. So much fun. Some great work. Not that I think that like last month wasn't fun or I was in like a dark place, but like, it's just like, well, we were kind of scared for this. I mean, we had a, well, I don't want to say we had a crap January, 2019, but we definitely experimented with some things that we did have a crap. January. We we put our, we we bet we made some bets that didn't play we, out. We bet on some other people. Yeah, and, and this year we bet on ourselves. And that's the biggest difference. And that's why I'm so excited because I feel like, and it's not that I never didn't feel like I was trusted before, but I feel like we have the network in place. We have yeah. really good. We have really good people, managers, line managers, and like I feel like we're finally getting to assemble the team, and we know what we want to do, and we're doing that. Like that's the coolest thing is that like, we're doing that. We're doing what we've talked about yeah. wanting to do, and it's just like. Fuck what everyone else says. Yeah. This is what we're going to do. Precisely. And it's going really we, well. I don't think at the start of last year, for whatever reason, I had confidence in the team or, or even confidence in myself to take us to the next level. And now I do. I do have that. And I've had that confidence probably since the middle of last year to say, I know what to do. And I also know that this team knows what to do. And between us, we can do it. Individually, we can't do it. But between us, we can and I think that's pretty powerful. And then the other thing I think that we've got right, and I, I do, you know, uh, I keep telling Jen this, and she's she's really sick of me saying it, is is us being prepared to challenge each other and kind of not be afraid of having discussion without that being us. We're not arguing at any point in that. Like, what are you doing? I unplugged my microphone. I've been fucking around playing with this thing. I, I think that you're totally right. And that's one of the things that I, I tell, I tell new hires is that sometimes you'll hear a loud voice and it's not on each other. It's the passion of the conversation. And I, I'll tell people that cause like sometimes you and I will, our voices will get elevated, yeah. but it's never about, it's never a personal thing. It's about what we're talking about yeah. and the ability to just cut through that and be able to be like, this is wrong. I don't like this. And you going, I think it should be like this. I think it should be like that. And then us being able to come to a middle ground without having to fucking yeah. take it to email or any of that fluffy stuff is what makes us be able to be as agile as we are, Yeah. which is one of the, the four obsessions of an executive. That book that I read is my 24 books for 2020. My first book I read, that was one of the biggest well things. And it also echoed in your book, Radical Candor that you're reading, which I need to order. So that, that's going to be my flight book for Guatemala. That is something that is so powerful for us. And what, is, what, is, what is it? What is the obsession? What are you talking about? There's a book to called, be able to challenge each other. Is that a, what you're saying? It's to be able to have a. It's to be able to have this the the cut through bullshit conversation. To be able to speak as an executive table and it's our weekly management meetings. It is a raw, unfiltered conversation yeah. that is always exciting, always passionate, and we always get to the point. Yeah, we're not, we're not messing around. Exactly. Or doing stuff for the state. So yeah, doing that, stuff. It's, a, it's, it's I think Patrick Lencioni is his book. And there are four things. And that's the one that this is the hardest one to be able to replicate. But if you can do that in a leadership and in a company, yeah. they said that you're in a great place. And that's been the one thing since day one that I've started working here. You always know what to, you always know where you stand. And you always want to work through something. Yeah, I, I, I honestly strongly believe in it. I didn't realize it was a management technique until very recently. Until I started reading that radical candle, which somebody on Twitter said, read it's put a lot of validation i think in what i'm saying but it's also 
it's given me some boundaries within it as well like because there have been times where I thought I was being an arsehole and probably was being an arsehole and I'm kind of learning sometimes that where to rein it back and where to like how to keep some of that more professional where it works where it doesn't where it works where it doesn't work and then also like when you're talking to more junior people knowing that you can't necessarily talk in that same tone that you're talking like you can't be you can't always be you can't always lay it out Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm a person that generally will lay it out. Well, do you remember when we did that? I guess what two years ago when we made everything public in our project management tool because everyone said they wanted the transparency, and then we gave it, and then everyone was like, "Whoa!" Well, it, well, the, what the review, the reflection meeting was, yeah, we're not getting enough information. We want to think it's transparent. You, you opened up everything. I went, "Here you go, it's fifty boards." And I remember everyone was like, "We don't want to." It see wasn't any that. Of this. It wasn't. They saw about ten, but ten of the fifty. But yeah, they saw all the roadmaps and everything else, and none of them read it, right? I think the the one person who was the most like, we need transparency, the guy on the leadership team saw it and was like, oh, shit. Yeah, well, it's like, well, here you go. You yeah. want it? Here it is. I'll lay it out for you. Yep. But then once people start seeing it, yeah, there was an element of some people were kind of scared by it. Mm-hmm. But we've learned also that, you know, that was too much room to digest. So that's about speaking in a different voice. You, you can't just lay it out. You can't just bear your soul everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I, I'm learning some of that, but, you know, I'm retiring soon, as you know, so I don't really need to learn that much. No, I'm joking. My learning is limited, honestly, because I'm, I'm nearly dead. Oh. I'm, a near, I'm nearer to a tattoo than dead, and I'm probably nearer retiring than dead, hopefully. I don't know. When you get older, do you have to learn? You probably still need to learn. I, I think you never stop learning. I've seen I, a lot of bumper stickers that say that. I'm, yeah, I am being very ironic. Just in case anybody's just thinking. Some people are just sitting there thinking like, oh, there you go. Karen's at her ceiling. Well, not just that. Like Karen's got this level of arrogance where she thinks she's too I'm done old learning. I know it all. To learn anything. It can be, if you knew me, you know that couldn't be further. I, hope I don't someone, know if you know that couldn't be further from truth. I hope someone listens to this and it's just like, God, these people are horrible. I reckon that anybody who thought that, the first 10 minutes of me talking, they would not be at this point right now. I guess that's true. This is like this is where like my mom and Meredith are listening. We're at that point. Yeah, no, nobody else is there. So we should we should cut it off. I think what we should do though is the next time we do one is actually plan what we're gonna talk. Yeah, it's true. Maisie's or, so Adon does listen to these. He's in our new check guy to listen through it, so he's gonna be listening to this and being like, "Man, oh, these people who I work for are weird." Yeah, welcome Adon. I'm kind of waiting for Adon to get a bit more Adani. He's a nice guy. I told him I'm kicking him out of that room. Just so you know. I told Nisha come work at the floating. I, I, I really want to. I really want to have a guy who works in the office who's crazy, and I feel like Adan is our closest right now, because you've given up. Really, you've become. You were the crazy boy of the team. I don't have time to be crazy. Well, I still. I mean, you've lost it. Gone. I feel like it's a kind of a weird thing to say that you've lost being crazy. Yeah, you have. I, you've I've, come. I, you come like, like. I don't. Don't really know what it is like. Grown up or something. Well, I mean, I, I am five years older than, or four, think, almost uh, five years, five years in March, older than was when I was when I started here, so. Oh, that reminds me. Don wants to organize St. Patrick's Day, and I feel like it's about time that you sorted that out. Who does? Don. Well, no, he doesn't want to organize it. He said, we should all go out for St. Patrick's Day, and I said, we can't because Quentin's birthday's that week, and he has a week-long celebration that none of us are invited <laughs> to. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and if that wasn't bad enough, I think Alex is the week after, well, so we have to have another week for Alex. <laughs> well, last we're, year Alex and I did a joint roommate. birthday. Yeah, but we what we're basically saying indirectly is, can we please be invited out 
somewhere around St. Patrick's. I'll think about it. Yeah, all right, thanks. All right, that's it. Done. Done. Finished. Bye. Have fun editing this, guys. <laughs>